Well, I'm excited to welcome you as we gather once again as the Christ Journey family. And today is a very special one because it is Family Worship Day. That means that we welcome all of our kids, all of our families together to share the same space. And so wherever you are making your connection with us today, we welcome you as part of the family of God across the nation, around the world. And we are praying God's special blessing for you. Now, may I get right to the point? The issue we're tackling today is how can we keep our mistakes from ruining our lives. Now, this is part of a parent's job, kids, you know, with our children. First, we try to help our children avoid mistakes that will come back to bite you later. And then second, when kids don't pay attention or they go astray or they wander out, they get rebellious or maybe not on purpose, but they just don't know or some other complication interferes and they make a bad life decision, then a parent's job gets a little more complicated. You know what it turns to? The question becomes, how do you keep a mistake from ruining your child's life, from hijacking their future? And something, this is what I think, something better than a parent making the decision for their child or their young person is to help their child or young person make their own decision in facing their mistake and then finding their way through it. Now, kids, if I were to ask you, where do grown-ups try to warn you um, of bad life decisions that could hurt you? Anything coming to mind? How about this? Be careful what you post online. Uh, images and words that you put online never go away. They can haunt you for the rest of your life. They're there forever. You ever heard that? How about this? Watch out for drugs and alcohol. Your friends may act like they're cool. But I'm telling you, they can kill you. There are drugs being sold right now on the streets of Miami that can kill you. Stay away from them, right? You've heard that? I used to warn my girls when they were teenagers, never drink from a glass you didn't see poured. Date rape drugs are no joke. Don't be foolish. And maybe you've heard warnings about cigarettes and vaping and about texting while driving. You know, there, there's a reason for those warnings and it's simply this, one moment's mistake can cost you for the rest of your life. Now, young people, our future, what a, what a privilege to live in a place like this because our culture tells you that you are essentially entitled to have an opportunity for a better future. You know, that, that simply because you are you, that you deserve a future. You don't even have to earn the opportunity necessarily. But I can tell you, I've also seen our culture, something else I've seen in our culture is this, that your mistakes can take that opportunity away and then leave you stranded. Now, you know I'm telling you the truth too, don't you? And I bet some of you have already made a promise in your own head, in your own heart, something like this. In my life, I will never do fill in the blank. And I want to say, way to go. Good for you. Some mistakes are best avoided. But what if you've already made one? And what if it's a big one? You know, what if you're already suffering the consequences in ways that you never saw coming and you can't get away from them? And grown-ups, what if you're a grown-up and you have made a grown-up kind 
of mistake. And for years, you have been feeling it. It's been haunting you. You've been sensing it. What can you do now? Well, the story we're into today has an answer. See if you know who I'm talking about. As a man in his prime, he looks like everything is going his way. And why shouldn't he? I mean, for the past four decades of his life, he, uh, by most every measure of success, he has it made. Brought up in power and privilege, eating the best food, wearing the best clothes, enjoying the best opportunities, receiving the best education in the world. Everybody knows his mother and everybody knew her father. She's part of the royal family. As long as he can remember, this was his life. But there's more to the story. And others have told him about those early days that he couldn't remember. They're kind of filling in the blanks about his family history. He was born at a time, for instance, when for little boys like him, immediate post-birth abortion was the law. Government-enforced infanticide. They were killing babies. Well, how did he not die? Well, his mother had risked her life and hid him and cared for him in the early weeks and months until he was just too big to hide. How many times had he heard the story then of how his birth mother's faith led her to give him up and trust him to God's care and of course, then how he was adopted into the family of privilege and opportunity that he had known. And then as a man, his birth family started to matter more and more to him till one day before his very eyes, he sees an injustice that he just could not abide. Now, slavery is widely practiced at the time and a slave descendant from his family tree was being abused by a slave driver and he takes law into his own hands and when he was done, the abuser now lay dead at his feet. He'd killed him. Now, if we were to zoom out from the man of these musings, here would what we would, we would find him in the desert of Arabia. Wilderness. It's been decades since his last royal meal, since he'd worn the latest designer clothes or taste the power and privilege of the life that he had at one time taken for granted. Now he is a fugitive. He is far from the land he had called home and beyond the reach of extradition, but not beyond the grasp of fear and regret and of self-doubt. I mean, if it was karaoke night and he was singing the song, My Way, you know that song? There's a line in it that says, regrets, I've had a few, but then again, too few to mention. You know that line? He would have said this, regrets, I have one, but it just took one to ruin everything. He had done it his way and now he is stranded and he's despised. The promise of a brilliant career lost in a moment in the impetuous, misguided mistake of his life. He was one of the best educated leaders of his day, and now he has blundered himself into the scorned life of a shepherd tending sheep. And more than once, let me tell you, he has probably had to wonder, now what? Now what? I'm talking about Moses from the Bible's 
Exodus story, as you know. And uh, his story intersects yours. If you have ever felt like you had a shining moment of opportunity and you blew it. I mean, a dance or a music audition, an athletic competition, an entrance exam, a job interview, a first date, or maybe the one you let get away, a promotion at work, but it was your chance to make a difference. It was your shining opportunity, your shining moment, and you fell flat. Or you flat out failed. And now that failure haunts you. Exodus 3 picks up Moses' story on the backside of his mistake, stranded on the backside of nowhere, essentially the desert of Midian, where he has had decades to ruminate on how he got there. And how many times had he kicked himself saying, you know, I'm done. I'm, a, I'm not special, I lost my edge. I'm a danger to myself. I've lost my nerve. And I can imagine him saying, you know, I remember, I love the stories of my childhood, my past, but they all seem like faded fairy tales to me now. Even if they were true, I don't know if I've got that in me now. And just when he may be thinking that his future was all behind him, God surprises him in a new way, with a new day, Exodus chapter three. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the desert and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. And Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it didn't burn up. So Moses thought, I'm going to go over and, and see this strange sight. Why, why the bush doesn't burn up? And when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. No, actually, you know, Moses, Mo Moses, because God always speaks with a deep voice, right? Moses. And... Uh, and Moses says, I mean, the bush talks. And Moses says, here I am. And so begins the conversation that has the answer, holds the answer to Moses' question. Now what? The what's next of his life. Now Moses may have felt like he was done, but God's not done. And I don't know where in your life you feel today like you might just be done. In that relationship, in that job, in that class, in that degree program, in your family, in your marriage, maybe some mistake from your past, some missed opportunity has haunted you and told you and left you feeling like, yeah, I'm done. Frankly, I don't know if that's true or not. And I'm not sure you do either. But what I'm praying is that as God spoke to Moses, maybe he would bring some insight to you today as well in these signs. One of them, maybe one of them is here for you. First sign, burning bush. It's on fire, but it doesn't burn up. What's it mean? Well, all of life, Moses had been treated and been told that he was special. The birth mother that nursed him believed he was special. 
told him he was. The Egyptian princess who drew him from the Nile, she thought he was special. And then all those years growing up in Pharaoh's palace, the culture all around him had to be telling him, you know what, you're special, but he doesn't feel so special. I mean, the brutal facts are simply this. Since his mistake, since his mistake, he's not feeling so special at all. And all these years as a dirty shepherd have made him feel like he's pretty ordinary. Pretty ordinary like that bush is ordinary. The only thing special about that bush is the fire in it. And I'm wondering that God was saying, you know what, your, your ordinary can be special with I am in it. When Moses asked God his name. God says, I am. I am, I am. You want to know who I am? I am, I am. And I am makes ordinary special. And I think God wants you to know that too. Your ordinary can be special with I am in it. So what? So turn to I am. What'll happen then? Well, when God sees that Moses turns aside to look, then God speaks. You draw near, he draws near. So you feel ordinary. You feel like there's nothing so special about you. Turn to God and then listen to what he has to say. Moses hears his name called, his own name being called, and then he hears his calling being clarified. Verse 10, I'm sending you to Pharaoh. Excuse me, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Now, don't expect Moses to jump up and down and get all excited. Instead, you know what he does? He coughs up this hairball that's been choking him for years. He says, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring all the Israelites out? Hey, listen, trying to do that one time is how I wound up as a fugitive in the desert. The mistake of his life. And he's had a lot of time to kick himself over that one. I'm not special. I've lost my edge. If I ever had it, sign two, second sign, his staff, the rod. The Lord says, what's that in your hand? And Moses said, a staff. And the Lord says, throw it on the ground. And he does. And then it becomes a snake and Moses runs. Well, I would too. So would you, right? Get out of harm's way. But what does the sign mean? Listen, that staff was not a polished cane. That staff was a crude stick Moses has used to herd sheep. It represents all the, the uh, tedium, monotony, daily drudgery, dull routine that his work involved. And Egyptians despise shepherds. They were dirty, they were smelly, they were drab, they were ignorant, they were boring. Nobody ever said they're having a party. They said, oh, let's be sure and invite the shepherds over. They'll be so cool, they'll be so fun, they'll be so cutting edge. No, 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 shepherds are not cutting edge. Shepherds are yesterday's news. They're dull. And don't you know Moses in his culture had been taught that and memories of his own young life in school had to come back to him when he was studying in school, learning all the languages of the empire, when he was studying astronomy or learning engineering and design, or even the art of embalming. 
Now that one probably at first was kind of creepy, but then when he realizes, you know, I know how to make mummies. That's like, whoa, this is kind of cool. And he's remembering all the tools and books that he had in his hand at the time. And now all he's got is this staff. And he had it with him when God calls his name and asked him to throw it down. Now that staff represents the boring routine that his life had become. Kids, young people, have you ever said, I'm so bored? Well, Look what God does with Moses' boredom. You know what he does? He turns it into a scary snake. And then he says, now pick it up by the tail. Now listen to me, don't try this at home, right? I never told my daughters, when you see a snake, pick it up by the tail. That's not what you do. I mean, unless you hear the audible voice of God in very deep tones, pick it up, then you don't. But let me ask you this, what is edgier than a stick turned into a snake. What makes it more exciting? Pick it up by its tail. And when he does, it becomes a staff again. What's the message? How about this? Your boring can get exciting under I am's command. Your boring can get exciting under I am's command. So what? So obey I am's command. You feel like your life is dull or boring or routine or Christian. You feel like your Christianity's kind of gotten stagnant on you that you've lost your edge. Then let me ask you this. Why not take Christ up on the most challenging commands he ever gave. Instead of dodging them, why not pick them up? Like what? Like, forgive your enemies. Don't hold a grudge. Instead, forgive your enemies. Pick, it, pick the snake up by the tail. Like, uh, love and pray for those who have hurt you. Pray for them by name. Pick the snake up by the tail. How about this? Help an unbeliever come to Christ. Share your story. Share the gospel. Use your words. Pick the snake up by the tail. Or how about this one? Give 10% of what God graces you to earn back to him in worship as a tithe. Pick the snake up by the tail. You know what? Your edge of excitement may be waiting for you right there. Third sign, hand. Verse six, the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. Moses did, and when he pulled it out, it was leprous. Well, we got a little, a nice leprous and diseased hand right here that's been prepared for us this day. Moses takes a look at that hand. You know what God tells him? He says, now put it back into your cloak. Uh, ooh, I don't want to get that on me, right? Well, Moses does it, and when he takes his hand out, it's restored. It says it's like the rest of his flesh. What does that mean? Well, I think that Moses, thinking because of Moses' mistake, because of his rash past judgment, he had reason for self-doubt. He had reason to say, you know what? I'm a danger to myself. You ever said that? And I think God is agreeing. 
He's telling Moses, you know, I know you've got stuff going on inside of you that's not healthy. I know you have internal issues. I can see them. But your danger to yourself can find healing with I am. See that? So what? So stop hiding. Stop cloaking, right? You ever feel insecure? You ever feel like you're a danger to yourself? Do you ever feel like you're your own worst enemy? You just want to kick yourself, right? God is saying, I'm more dangerous than you are. I'm dangerous like fire is dangerous to ordinary. I'm dangerous like a snake is to boring. I am dangerous like a cure is to disease. So stop hiding and come, stop running away. Come know I am as the dangerous in your life. I am your special fire. I am your exciting edge. I am your inner healing. Do any of those sound Sound good to you? Fourth sign, brother. Moses still resists God's call. He says he can't speak so well. He says, you know, I got a speech issue. We're not told if he stutters or if it's a lisp or if he can't get his words into, uh, he can't get his thoughts into words so good, you know, sometimes. And finally he just blurts out, Lord, please just send someone else to do it. And now I am is angry, but he tells Moses, your brother Aaron, he's already on his way. In other words, I am saw this one coming. He's ahead of the curve. Uh, I am's got a plan. He wants Moses in on it. And he says, when your brother gets here, I want you to tell him what, tell him what I tell you to say, and then I'll help both of you. So we've got a nice little uh, Simpson yellow brother over here, Aaron. This is my brother, Aaron. And we don't know if he's a crash dummy or if he's a ventriloquist dummy, but he represents for us the, the brother that God can bring in. And I am, though he is angry, is calling Moses out on his self-doubt. You know, Moses had stewed in his self-doubt for so long that he'd lost his nerve. He actually had become better at making excuses than listening to God. But I believe God is saying this, your lack of nerve can be overcome when I am brings you a brother. So what? So, buddy up, right? And then serve me together and listen and follow and watch me work. Now, what has just happened in this story? In four signs, in four signs, God has undone every one of Moses' excuses. And then in verse 17, he says this, now take that staff in your hand so you can perform miraculous signs with it. As God had taught Moses with visual aids, now also Moses would do the same to set people free. Have you been better at making excuses than listening to God? Have you ever said to yourself or to God, I'm nothing special? You know, I, I've lost my edge. I'm a danger to myself. I've lost my nerve. No, send somebody else. I believe God wants me to tell you he's not done yet. And your time in the desert 
is meant to be a learning experience, a classroom from which you can feel and know like Moses did, I am is with you and I am is enough. Jesus said something so very similar. After he, his ministry was completed, he was ascending to heaven and he was handing the job off to his followers. And he said this, now you go into all the world and make disciples of every nation and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and teach them to observe, to obey all that I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Imagine, imagine, imagine your ordinary life knowing I am as your special fire burning within you. Imagine the boredom of your routine knowing and experiencing I am as your exciting edge. Imagine feeling the healing of I am in your heart and in your hands as God's future meets your past and a new thing begins. Imagine I am using you and a buddy to change your world and help set some people free. Can you see it? Could it happen? Well, let's find out as we pray. What is I am calling you to today? Believer, you've been following him before, but now is the time when he's saying, get up, step out, come with me. What is that? Where is he calling you to? Would you ask him? And then would you say, Lord, I hear you. And I am here to follow you. Maybe you're here today as a non-believer, but you've been seeking. And it's not your, your next step of faith would be your first step of trusting Christ. So I would encourage you to take that step today. And I want to offer a prayer right now. And if it resonates with the cry of your heart, you pray it with me. Lord Jesus, thank you for the way your word speaks truth to my soul and my spirit to the desert places in me and how you have more for me. I'm opening my ears to listen and I'm opening my heart to receive, to receive you. I open my life and receive you as my savior right now. Forgive my sins, come into my life, fill me with your spirit and now lead me as I seek to follow your way. Now our head's still bowed, but if you prayed that prayer with me and would let me ask God's blessing upon you right now, I want you simply to raise your hand wherever you're seated. Online, you can click that orange banner, Kindle Campus, lift your hands, we're praying as well. Lord Jesus, for every hand raised signifying a heart open before you, we pray your blessing to be poured out in ways that will overflow and call us home to you. And we celebrate that in Jesus' name, amen.